right, we start. are so excited to welcome our next guest. He's a professional tennis player and a coach and a lot more that you can tell us more about. Please welcome Chris Trezinho. Did I see your last name right? You messed up a little bit, but we can but, say- Butchered a little bit. Trezinho, Trezino, it's all Trezinho. good. Trezino. Trezino. Uh, you know? She- okay. work. Yeah, Sophia is Brazilian, so she has a little accent over there. You got to roll every a lot of N and R over and- here. <laughs> well, I'm excited to be here. Seriously, no, thank you so much. I'm like, this is really cool that you even thought of me to to be on this. So I saw you guys starting like post stuff, and I was watching some of that, and so it was fun. So I'm I'm excited to be on here. We are so excited to have you. I'm ready to be in the hot seat, so you could bring on all <laughs> all the questions. I know. I'm excited. They've talked so highly of you. And I'm like, let's bring them in. I'm excited to talk oh, more about it. Super so. fun. Super I think fun. you're our first like tennis player of the podcast. So let's be good. <laughs> there we go. Coach, minus uh, if you don't count a nutrition coach, which it should count. Yeah. But Yeah, you um, guys have had, I mean, you've had some sports people on here that I saw. You'll get some tennis people in here. Yeah, no, we're excited. So we Colleen and I met you because of Colleen's roommate when you were yep. in this area and then you moved Carly to Florida. Carly, yeah. shout out Carly. Yeah, okay, so that's so... how you met him, Sophia. And Chris and I just yeah. immediately clicked and became yeah. best friends and we haven't talked in like <laughs> over a year. <laughs> that's the best yeah, kind no. of friendship though. So. Yeah, no, yeah. Colleen and I came buddies through through like it was always we had the friendship that was like if nothing was going on. We'd always just meet up at uh, like Coastal Flats and get a drink. Like we knew that if nothing was happening, we knew that we could hang out and just chill. It was so much fun. Like it's such a good friendship. So, sure. so I was then obviously in Maryland. We were in Gaithersburg. Um, yeah. When I was there, I was the director of high performance. So at that tennis club, I mainly worked with the high performance players. So players that are developing ages between the ages of mainly eight to 16. Yeah. I specialize with junior development so there's you know Colleen I know that you were you know big time baller basketball player so you understand the commitment that it takes to be a high performing athlete so I always liked working with those athletes more because they're the ones who actually cared and I wasn't just an expensive babysitter um, which was the worst you know these kids show up and they just don't even want to be there, but Which, you, know, you did have a lot of younger kids that absolutely adored a you. Ton, and, a ton. A ton. Yeah. But and it's like the absolute best age where, you know, when you've got an eight, nine, ten year old that when they come to tennis, they're just like bright eyed and bushy tail, just staring at you, ready to absorb Soaking anything that you have to say. They soak up everything. Right. So that was at Quince Orchard Swimming Tennis Club in Gaithersburg. Um, yep. started my career there. I left for two years to go play tennis professionally, did that touring with the intention of learning more about life on tour so that I could develop more as a coach. I had no interest in becoming a professional player. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So it was always like everything I did was 100% invested into becoming the best coach and a complete yeah. coach and wanted to experience everything. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of been on this like whole long 15 year journey as a coach to how do I become the best version of myself and how do I become the best coach possible? Yeah. So at Gaithersburg, director of this program, we have over 300 kids in the program. It's super successful, made a name for myself in the area. Um, and it was great and it was really good, but I still felt like I was still missing that like small component. I knew I had more in me and I know that I didn't want to just settle and stay 
there knowing that I could be doing things on a much greater level. So um, Florida is like the place to go to for tennis. It's a completely yeah. different world over there. So I moved to South Florida. It was one of the hardest decisions I had to make though, because I had so many great relationships, you know, with families. I just literally saw kids grow mm -hmm. from five, six years old to 16. Like I've seen yeah. them grow up and I was a part of, you know, family events. I think like one Thanksgiving, my family was gone and I spent Thanksgiving with one of my tennis clients' families. And so, oh God, so awesome. many good relationships and, you know, was doing well personally, professionally, financially. It was a great setup for me. So I was like, mm -hmm. for me to leave that, it was a risk. Like it was, but I was no. betting on myself. Yeah. So had some connections in Florida and moved to Florida with the intention of trying to become a professional touring coach because I wanted to be on the, which is the WTA and ATP tour. I know what I just said. You all have no idea what that means. So WTA is women's is tennis. So yeah, so WTA is women's tennis and then ATP is men's tennis. I moved to Florida. Um, I'm based at a tennis academy in Weston, Florida. So like I don't know, 25 minutes from uh, Fort Lauderdale. Okay, and wow. I was at the academy there. And at these academies, they have the top, top, top tennis players, juniors. Um, and then since I moved there, I had to separate myself from the other place because I was there ever since I was 17, 18. So everybody always knew me as this is the young 18 year old fun Chris. And I was like, no, I'm now the 27, 28 year old mature professional Chris. But they would always still see me as like the young guy. Yeah. Um, and so moving to Florida was, that was my test. And when I went out there, it's so different. The culture is different. Um, you know, the, the Spanish culture is so strong in South Florida. And that's like, the majority of the tennis players there. Yeah. And then, but the issue I had in South Florida was there's no loyalty in the tennis community there. None. Really? It's like wow. all They're these players are look, all the players are looking for a free ride. It's like, well, I'm five in my section. I'm not, I'm ranked number five in the state. What can you give me? Because this tennis center is offering me a free scholarship. So they're not going to places for like the coaching or because yeah. it is they're legitimate, they're looking for, where can I train 30 hours a week? Use your gym, use your trainers, use your facilities for free. Yeah. And whoever <laughs> and whoever gives me the best offer, coaching there, I'm going. Oh my gosh, so, so the opposite of what you've been used to, which is like, I'm choosing to make this investment in myself because yeah. I want to learn from you. From you, right? So it's like, it was the loyalty. So then when I came there, it's funny because a lot of coaches in the tennis world and especially in the professional world were majority were players that didn't make it right. It's like the really good athletes that were great professional players, but they never really made it to that next stage. Right. So they yeah. were like really good players. Didn't make it in that career where they ran out of money or just weren't talented enough and then became coaches. So a lot of the coaches in Florida were that. So, what they lack is the passion and the care for people. And that's like what you the have, biggest thing that I stand for. Like yeah. I love people and I care about people and I wanna see 
everybody achieve what it is that they want. Like, I think that whether it's athletics or academics or, you know, whatever it might be that there's always kind of something great about that person. And so I was like super passionate about that. So I got on court with these players in Florida and they were like, mm-hmm. we want to be with this coach. Like he cares. He's not on his phone. He's paying attention. He cares about us. He asks us how our day is. He cares about what we do. And all the other coaches are just standing there, like not even giving a crap, just feeding a ball, not caring. So like that environment for me was just not the place to be. Right. Um, The thing is though, it's like when, since you're like a manager person, sometimes it's like, if you're a good manager, that reflects on you. Like, you know what I mean? So like being a good coach, being a good trainer, and if like all your people that you coach excel, it's like, that doesn't mean like, oh, they all thrived, although it's their skills. It's like, that shows highly on you. So is the one thing that I think separates me as a coach is I'm empathetic, right? And I understand people. And that's like the most important thing with, as being a coach and working with athletes, you have to be empathetic of what it is that they're going through. Like, yes, the things that I'm teaching you, I already know, but I can't expect like you're learning, right? So whenever kids, if I'm training a player and these kids, like they want their coach's approval, right? Or like a student wants a teacher's approval. So as a coach and, you know, they're seeking my approval. Like if they do something wrong, they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, don't apologize, you're learning. Yeah. Don't ever apologize to me again. And this is like for, you know, like the 10 and 11 year olds will apologize all the time. Like, guys, like, don't be sorry. You're like, you're learning through this process. And so um, empathy is a, is a huge, huge part of it. And so I think what makes the best coaches successful are the ones who that understand who they're working with. Like, for example, like we've got, you know, you three people, like the way I would teach Colleen how to hit a tennis ball would be completely different from, you know, Sophia it would just be completely different because you both have different learning types and so but understanding the person is really important like being able to recognize body language like are they understanding it do they show frustration are they showing that they're upset you know are they coming to the tennis lesson having a bad day at school or did you know with a 14 year old boy or girl did their friend get mad at them did they lose a game in gym like I mean there's just all these little things that they bring to the courts and the faster I identify that they feel like oh you know he understands me and he cares about me as a person more than an athlete and so I tell my players that all the time I'm like guys I care about you all more as people than athletes and players and then once they kind of have that trust then the doors are open for me to say anything because then they know if I do give them constructive criticism or if I'm tough on them, they know that it's coming from a place of like, just like from my heart and that I'm genuinely caring and I'm telling them to do this because it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what led me from doing this stuff on tour. As much as being on tour was a blast, like I, I must have taken got over 40 flights in 2019 I mean I was just everywhere all all over when you're on tour with them how long does that like how long does that season usually last it depends on what their schedule is like like sometimes we would do I think the longest we did once was five weeks in a row um and then we did five weeks on the road like three weeks of tournaments and then we did a training block and then we did um and then another tournament week but then 
how I would get compensated was I always wanted the player to go further in the tournament because then they would keep me there longer. <laughs> and then I was getting paid, right? So if they lost, they're like, I'm getting sent home. And then I'm like, you know, going back. So it's life on tour is brutal unless you're with the player who can afford you for 35, 40 weeks out of the year versus where these players might only be with you for, you know, you might only do 10 to 15 weeks with them because that's really all they can afford or they haven't been winning matches. So since they're not winning matches, <laughs> they don't have money to pay for a coach. Mm -hmm. And so it can get, it can get pretty grueling. Um, and then you mentioned you were traveling a lot in 2019. So like when 2020 hit like March, were you like, Oh shit. So once I like, I knew that the touring stuff was over. I was like, I just, I, I didn't want to do it anymore. And then it was kind of like a good mutual parting um, with the girl that I was coaching. She kind of was going a different direction. Um, and then the guy that I was coaching was like finishing out his career. Like he was just done. He was done playing. And I was like, all right, well now what do I do? And I've got some thinking to do. And so in Florida, right? Yeah, I was in Fort Lauderdale. Not a bad and, place to quarantine. Um, yeah, so I was I was like quarantined there for maybe a couple of months. Um, but then a friend of mine who I went to college with, she's the assistant director of a tennis facility here in Williamsburg. And she's been trying to get me to come to this area for years. And she was like, no, like this is a great place. It's totally untapped. You would do really, really well here. You've mm -hmm. got to move here. Like, she's like, I promise you it would be, it will be great. It'll be really, really good. Mm -hmm. um, so I ended up, I called her and I was like, Hey, like, let's do it. I was like, I'm available. I got nothing going on in my life. Like I'm in Florida. Florida was like my huge sacrifice year I mean oh. I mean I I literally put it all on the line there like every I invested mm -hmm. every dollar into myself I was sacrificing my time I invested literally every penny into myself so I'm like in Florida January of 2020 I'm broke I'm like renting a room out of right. my buddy's house I'm like yes. I'm like I've put it all on the line like now where do I where do I go now? Like, where do I take all the investments into myself? And now where like, where do I, you know, where do I settle down and where do I make this happen? So I gave her a call and I was like, do you want to make this thing happen? And she said, let's do it. They flew me out. I met with everybody there. Um, they didn't have a high performance program. They just had a lot of recreational stuff, but you know, this is a, the tennis centers affiliated with William and Mary um so the tennis center's on campus and that's where the team's trained but then they run a separate business out of the tennis center that's affiliated with the school so I came in there and I was supposed to start as a director of high performance in April of 2020 and I moved there and then pretty much the next day the center closed Oh and my gosh. I moved everything. Yeah. I signed a lease. I completely moved all of my things into my home. 
um, completely relocated. I was here alone. I had nothing. I finally ended up getting on court using public courts in like May or June of last year. And then, um, and then uh, the center was going to open and then it didn't. So they're really strict with their rules because of William and Mary and um, whatever William and Mary says, the tennis center has to go by the same rules for them. It's like, whatever they say, the tennis center has to follow, even though it's tennis and it's literally the safest sport that you can play during COVID. And so they were supposed to open, they opened back up finally a year later. I was outside, I was coaching tennis and I don't know if you guys ever remember seeing me on Instagram, I was coaching and it was like 29 degrees outside dying and but every but we we kept doing it we were outside and then the tennis center opened up this past july but i still had my old my own programs going on i was supposed to start this year in september and then the week before i was supposed to start they issued a vaccine mandate and a mask mandate so all of my kids under 12 couldn't even play and i was like guys I'm not starting. I'm not coming to the tennis center. I'm going to still keep, I'm going to still keep my own business, do my own thing. I was like, once you guys get this stuff underway, like I'm, there's no way I'm going to go to the center just because it'll benefit me and say like, Hey guys, sorry, I can't coach you. So I'm still staying outside. I'm just, I'm grinding outdoors, operating my own business. It's going well. Um, but I'm eager to get into the tennis center. Good for you. I had no idea. I definitely thought you were affiliated with that um, center that you were talking about. I did not know that you were still doing your own thing. It's a, I'm 100% on my own. Yeah. That so is it's, so cool. it's been, but it sucks though, you know, cause it's like, I, I moved here for that position. That was like my big mm-hmm. break, big thing. Yeah. And then I don't know, what is it now? 18 months later, like, right. You moved to Florida for a reason. You learned skills that you probably would never have like had. And then I listened to a podcast the other day about this broadcaster who like moved to Connecticut and same time, like it was around COVID. So like things were shutting down and she was like, I don't know anyone here. Like, why am I here? Well, and like, just like I'm uprooted my life from LA and then now she's like, thriving so it's just like yeah. one of those things where it's like so like confusing and dark in the moment but again like 100%. you're probably learning so much making and knowing like making so much like more connections with people running your own business like these are great yeah skills. it's no I agree like when I was in I mean I tell people this all the time and whoever ends up watching this it's like you have to bet on yourself always and you yeah. have to trust and like whatever it is that you want to do you've got to be all in fully committed this is what you want to pursue. You have to yep. bet on yourself. It's actually something that I did want to ask you about because I've always admired that about you that you have always bet on yourself and you have always just believed in yourself. And like, it's really, really cool. So I do actually get into what you're talking about, but I do actually want to get into what, like what made you get into coaching in the first place because you were doing something completely different. And then you're like, no, I'm going to follow my dream. This is what I'm going to do. Even though you did get some pushback from people close to you. And they were like, eh, I don't know if that's a good idea, but you're like, no, I'm going to do this. Oh, with the code, with like my history of yeah. when I decided to coach. Yeah. Um, you want me to tell you that now? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I guess, cause I'm trying to remember what I've told you. What, did, what have I told you before? I'm trying to remember. Um, About like, like just when I was younger with pursuing coaching. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, the, the biggest thing for me, like with the whole, you know, betting on yourself thing is I'm first off, super, super fortunate to have been able to recognize like what, in my opinion, is my purpose with what my careers and what I'm doing. Like I knew kind of early on, you know, in my late teens, um, early twenties, like I knew that there was like something, I guess, kind of different about me as far as like comparing to my family. Cause like I come from a huge, big old Italian family. Every, I mean, massive. Everyone in my family never guessed has, Italian. Yeah. Right. So like my family, like everybody has like these big fancy degrees, everybody's suit and tie, everybody's, you know, has master's degrees and business degrees and from all like the best colleges. And I'm like, I'm leaving college. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, I went to, I went to Radford university. I was studying exercise, sport, health, and education to become a physical therapist. Cause that sounds really good. Right. It's like, <laughs> you present that it's like, damn, like, okay, that sounds great. Like you're right. validated right mm -hmm. by the social aspect of it. Cause it's like, you went to school, you got a degree, you got a doctorate, you're a physical therapist. Like you're doing well, you're good. Cause that's kind of more, you know, socially acceptable. And so my three years into Radford, I went home and I said, I'm not going back. Um, that was not a good conversation in my household. Um, right. But I, a lot of it was just the unknown, right? And so yeah. I think the unknown is what scares the crap out of anybody. Like you're human and if you, the unknown is scary. Right. It's like, well, what if this goes the wrong way? Or what if I do this and that fails? Or what if I move here and I don't make any friends? Or what if I do that? And so um, when I came home and I was coaching and I just like, I've always been, I've always cared a lot about people and I've always wanted to help people in any way possible. Um, I've always kind of been like the guy that everybody goes to, to like ask for help or like to be the support or to listen or whatever it might've been. And so I think when I was like, I came home, I was coaching. And then when I was about like 21, 22, there was a guy that worked at my tennis center, this guy, Tim, until this day, he's still a mentor of mine and a good friend. He was like, Chris, he goes, I, he's, he has a master's in sports psychology, right? He's a, he's a sports, um, uh, what's it called? Oh my God. Total brain fart. Um, yeah, he's a sports therapist or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And so he was like, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on a degree. And he goes, what you do on a tennis court with these kids, he goes, you can't learn that in school. And he said, if you don't pursue coaching, you are absolutely insane. And so when I decided I was going to do that full time and talking to my parents about it, it was kind of like, so you're not going to finish college. You're not going to get a degree. I said, no, like, I want to pursue coaching. This is what I love. I know that this yeah. is what I'm good at. But the back to the whole unknown thing was that my parents didn't know anything about sport and coaching and that field of business, right? My family knows a lot about other stuff that just doesn't have anything to do with sports. So I think the biggest concern was always, you know, you're not going to have options and choices and opportunities for your future. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, like, I know that this is what I want to do, right? No matter what it is that for all of us here, or anybody else that's listening, right? It's like, there's so many different fields and things that you can do, but it's something that you're genuinely passionate about. 
and you go all in on yourself and you bet on yourself, even during the worst, crappiest times where like my biggest low was probably Florida sitting there alone, not having anybody, literally no money in my bank account. I'm like eating potatoes and pastaroni to be able to like extend the money out. And I was like, right. but that's what I had to do at that time. And I was in a situation where, you know, I knew that things were better, things were to come. Um, but bet on myself and I did everything possible to make the most out of my career in the tennis, in the tennis world, whether it was through, you know, other coaches, through players, through brands. Right. So like the Wilson stuff was a really big, was a huge thing for me over the last 15 years. Um, and networking, right. Networking is the most single-handedly, I think, in my opinion, one of the most important things. It's all about who, you know, is, That's is everyone's huge. been saying. It's so important. It, it, really, it, it really is the biggest thing. Parents in the back of your like, it's all about who you know. I'm like, I get it. <laughs> so getting into those relationships, can we talk about your sponsorships? <laughs> yeah. What do you, would you, you want the exclusive rights to the. <laughs> I want to hear the Wilson story. The Wilson story. Um, so let me start with this. So God, I, was maybe, I don't know, 18 years old. It was when I got my, my first sponsorship. Um, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Um, I got sponsored, but I paid for it. it was, but it was like, <laughs> but it was at like, but it was at like the super discounted rates. Like it yeah. was like, here's your sponsorship. And it costs this amount. And it's like, so I'm sponsored, but I paid for it. Whatever, it's all good. So that was like kind of my first in with Wilson. Um, there's this guy named Greg, still a phenomenal really really good friend of mine to this day um we've always stayed well connected throughout the years always remain really good friends um he was my first wilson rep he was the absolute man and just was so professional and i saw the things that he did and how he was you know really took care of his clients and he was super professional um and at 18 19 years old i see this guy and i'm like yeah this guy's showing the new cool product like this is the, he's the man, like this guy's cool. And I was like, okay, I, I really want to learn from him. And I was like, this is a person that I need to listen to and learn from. And so I started building a relationship with him over the years. And I was, you know, the young fit athletic guy that can promote the product. I'm selling rackets, I'm selling string, I'm selling shoes. And it's like, dang, this guy's, this guy's great. He's great for the brand. Um, he presents the brand really well. He's super professional. So then that kind of like led to my relationship with him. Then he told me about other people on Wilson and then I got connected with them. And then it kind of just, you know, was a ripple effect. And before you know it, I like, I knew everybody at the company. I knew all the important people. I knew people in corporate. I knew other sales reps. And then my name, you know, was kind of circulating with that business. And so then about, I kind of said this in my Instagram post when I had told everybody I was leaving Wilson, I, um, probably like seven years ago, you know, when social media started to really kind of become pretty big, right? Social media has yeah. kind of always been in our lives, but it's become, you know, significantly bigger recently. So seven years ago, you know, I think it was two, oh God, even more, maybe 10 years ago, like I was already posting on social media. I was posting Wilson's newest shoes, or I was posting a racket, or I was posting, I use this string. This is what I felt. You guys should try it. 
And then I started to notice as I'm posting this stuff, I'm like, man, I'm getting followers. Like people want to hear from me. I'm getting messages from people in like Pakistan and Egypt. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then yeah. I'm like, people are connecting. I was like, I'm connecting people around the whole world through, within this sport. This is really cool. Well, so then it was like, I'm educating them on product. And then I'm telling them about the latest thing that's coming out and this racket and that racket. So then seven years ago, I was like, guys, like we need to start a, like a social media team, like social media coaches. I was like, I'm getting messages every single day, nonstop. I'm getting a hundred messages a day at one point. Like it was insane. And I was like, we need to start a social media team or having a social media ambassadors. So that was like seven years ago. And then I talk about betting on yourself. I paid my own way. I went to Chicago, paid for my own flight, paid for my own hotel. I stayed there for a couple of days, went to their headquarters and I pitched my idea to them at headquarters in front of like five or six people about what my idea was. I was close to the brand. I knew that they respected what I said. And so that was the nail back to the whole betting on yourself and really trusting what it is that you believe in and what you stand for. And this is when they, like influencers were not a thing. They were not a thing. There was, no. there were no, there were no influencers. There wasn't hype houses or hashtags <laughs> or like, it wasn't really a big thing yet. And so yeah. I was like, guys, like no other brand is doing this. You've got to get in on this right now. There's, you know, funny, we're on a podcast right now, but there's podcasts everywhere. Like you see people who have no sense in doing podcasts are doing podcasts because it's really successful. You have people doing boxing matches that don't box, but it's selling millions of dollars. So of things. It's crazy. Boxing. So everyone's jumping on this whole social media thing and you've got 16 year olds wearing inappropriate outfits on TikTok but they're getting million dollar brand deals from this stuff. And it's, it's crazy. So seven years ago, I was like, I got this really cool idea and it became massive and it was a huge hit. They were flying me to events. Um, it was really cool. It was a really fun experience, but then, you know, kind of as the years have gone by, I'll give you, I won't give you all the crazy details, but I kind of, it's just the years have gone by. Um, you know, Wilson brand has changed. Um, you know, they've kind of changed. They've gone from, you know, in my opinion, sports are big, you know, for me, sports are about relationships and people. And those things are really important. And yeah. I think if you take that away from sport, to me, it becomes like ingenuine and it's like, and it's fake. And they've become very corporate focused. And so they kind of view things more about making money now rather than you know, building relationships. That's girlfriend. Girlfriend just moved in totally. last weekend. So we're like, oh, this is, oh that's gosh. another juicy combo. Um, <laughs> and um, so I lost my train of thought. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it was just like, it's changed. And I was so passionate about the brand and the people and the sport and what Wilson was doing. And I was doing all of these giveaways all the time. I've done like probably thousands of dollars in giveaways because I wanted to get rackets in people's hands. Like mm -hmm. tennis changed my life. Awesome. And I was like, I want this to happen to you all. Like I was shipping rackets to Argentina. I was overseas, oh like gosh. internationally, national, just because I wanted people to kind of have the same experience that I had. The whole Wilson thing was, it was really cool. It was a lot of fun, but they've 
they in a polite way they've they I don't know they just shifted their ways and then I felt like mm-hmm. I was no longer cared about or valued and that really bothered me because I've put my whole heart into it and I felt like they just you know they're going to separate out now the whole social media thing right they're they're hiring more people with check marks and because they're models and actors and to in my opinion I think that's wrong I think I'm the real person who cares about tennis and cares about the brand you're hiring somebody because they have 500,000 followers it's all about clout and it's clout right and it's like oh they post a picture with a racket like we want that person but it's like they don't know anything about tennis like that's not your market like in my opinion that's just wrong so that's social media for you or there should be a balance of both it's like I understand you want to reach out to people who have a celebrity whatever but they don't know anything so there needs to be people like you who are truly valued and have that not have it all focused on which it sounds like all focused on people who aren't necessarily associated with tennis but that went to bigger and better things it did in the wildest about that much bigger and better things so betting on yourself everyone betting on yourself that could be the title of the video bet on yourself um because i'm an example of that and so relationships network betting on yourself not burning bridges key thing don't burn any bridges no matter what the situation is you always want to keep connected and be good to people Um, because you never know when you might get a call for something or somebody says, you know, you never know when that's going to happen. So full circle 15 years later, um, Greg, my first Wilson rep, the guy who I had so much respect for, he, great friend of mine, we stayed in touch, stayed in contact, we would see each other. Um, I get a call from him about... This is exclusive information too. I get a call from him six months ago. Actually, I called him. I checked in on him to wish him a happy Father's Day. And he's like, bro, it's just so weird that you're calling me. I was like, why? We're like, what's up? He goes, I just got the craziest job opportunity. I said, dude, amazing. That's incredible. Like, what is it? He goes, I am the director of sales of all of US and Canada all of us not just a state the entire us and all of canada he goes i'm the director of sales for us and canada of lacoste and technofiber and he goes he goes i will never forget the ideas you pitched to wilson how professional you were what you did he goes you are the absolute best in the business i see it day in and day out i remember how passionate you were i know what you did for wilson because i sat in on that meeting i know what your ideas were and I've seen the commitment you've had to the sport and to yourself. He goes, we want to make you the face of Lacoste and Technofiber in the U.S. And I was like, gosh, uh, okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Where like, do I, I was like, what are the terms? Like, what are, what are we talking here? Because, you know, then, you know, yeah. of course he was, we've had a really good relationship. And he was like, hey, like, um, you know, are you still tied to Wilson? Like, what's your you know, what's your yeah. contract? Like, what, what are we talking here? And so <laughs> I was like, well, as 10 seconds ago, it's, it's done. Um, but no, I mean, but he has a lot of respect for people there. And so it just, it, it worked out where, um, you know, we, that was about six months ago. And ever since that call, 
there was like one thing after the other with Wilson kind of started happening and I was like right. getting let down and then I was let down again and then yeah. it just you know in my mind it was like wow like kind of all came together everything's kind of taken full circle so well I like it because you have like a good mindset on it and you like keep the bigger picture in mind so I you have to and I love yeah. that you just said that you have to keep the bigger picture because yeah. it's so hard to see past like the little things that just want to tear you down because it happens all the time like if you really look at your day as a whole there's people who focus on like the tiny little negatives that might happen like you might wake up and be like damn it I didn't buy more creamer for my coffee and now I'm pissed <laughs> right where it's like that might happen like I bought fat-free creamer the other day and I'm not happy about it because it doesn't taste <laughs> the same but like I'm not gonna let that thing ruin your totally day. ruin my day like it's not gonna but then there are people who like take that and they're like well that's a sign like I brought the wrong creamer like that's gonna screw right. up my day before we go quick question yeah how, who, how do you feel about Roger Federer <laughs> do you like him are you a fan did you yeah. just like did you just like google tennis and that was the first thing no came my husband's really big on tennis so like he's yeah. and his mom are obsessed with roger federer and i used to watch and they, so like then i get into it and i'm like let's oh, go yeah but that's not your like husband that. is cool i don't even know i just like that he likes tennis yeah he wants um, to play in high school yeah so um if he is he a federer fan yeah well he needs to mentally prepare for federer to never come back on yeah tour. he's like um retiring. he's I mean, when you're, you're 40 and you, yeah, I, the surgeries he's had and he's, I mean, at that point, I mean, I know he's, he wants to go out on his own terms. He's my favorite player. I'm a huge Federer fan. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's tough for him to make a comeback from coming. that. You're, he's you're, he's worth, he has so much. I mean, he doesn't care about them. Well, maybe a little bit, but that guy's worth like, over half a billion dollars you've got massive deals I mean he has lifetime deal with Wilson like he literally is probably going to get paid a million dollars a year for the rest of his life so that Wilson oh can put his name on a racket um he has a lifetime deal with them he's got a massive deal with Uniqlo um apparel sponsorship he's got Rolex deals I mean the guy is just the guy's set but you know exactly. when you're it's tough it's tough but he's he's on his way out so. Yeah, no, I think he knows that. Was, that's just like the one thing about tennis I know. I have yeah, a, there you go. I have a personal admission about Roger Federer. I used to have the biggest crush on him when I was little because I loved his legs. <laughs> wow. That's... His stems. Great, great his legs stem. on that guy. Yeah. That's hilarious. Comment. Wow. This, the Swiss legs. <laughs> you know, he has two sets of twins. Fun fact. Two. Back-to-back really? wow. -back twins strong genes yeah. well, they said that like they said that like when you have twins your chances of having twins again is actually like super high oh interesting another weird fact jack's siblings are twins so maybe he has a little tennis gene going maybe you gotta get him on, you got you gotta get him on the tennis court you want to ask him for socials okay yeah okay so for those of you who may not follow you already where can they follow you on social media and yeah um definitely not tiktok because i'm not shaking my booty on the talk um you're not making so toast I'm, I'm, i i was on tiktok at one point and i was like i literally downloaded it and then like on my for you page right when i, I was like what the hell is this app i deleted yeah. it so fast it's bad. It's um 
No, so Coach Chris Trezino is, mm-hmm. in, I mean, on Instagram, and that is, like, that's pretty much all I use is Instagram. Um, and definitely going to be posting a lot more. I'm going to have, like, an awkward month where, since I don't get my Lacoste apparel until December, I'm going to be, like, mismatching, which is really weird for me, and it's going to, like, it's not going to be easy for me, mismatching clothes. Mm. So, but it'll be awkward for, like, a month, but um it used to be coach chris trizzy because everybody called me Triz or trizzy but then i was like then i was like i gotta be a little more professional yeah Mm -hmm. so i changed to coach chris trizino well i just gave you a follow awesome i'll follow you back yeah thank you so much this was this was fun Thank you so much. Since, don't since, 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 Alrighty. Well, this okay, is awesome. Tell, tell Jess we say hi. Thank yeah. you so much, Chris. Sleeping with earplugs <laughs> in right now. All right, you all have a good night. This is great. Thank you. you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye.